0: Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. And Happy New Year! Happy 2017! I think we're all ready for 2016 to be behind us. And because it is early January and it is winter, we thought this would be the perfect time to talk about a sunny, warm destination. Somewhere where we could all go relax by a beach... Enjoy a cocktail and get some sun. Unfortunately, none of those places were available, so we're stuck talking about Canada. Let's bring in one Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going?
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> that was okay. hard.
0: That was harsh. You know what? 2016 didn't do us any favors. I'm not oh. uh, I'm not giving 2017 a chance, man.
1: <laughs> yes. Wow. Okay. Okay, I appreciate you, you folks hanging with us because this is now the third installment of our Canada thing. And just to sort of regroup here, because it's been a while since we talked about it, uh, pick up where we left off. Oh, our last installment, we talked a lot about Expo 67, particularly Robert Barkley had made the Canada 67 film, which was a huge hit at the mm-hmm. Expo. Mm-hmm. In fact, this Circle Vision film wound up running after that show closed for another 12 years. It, it hung in there it, in Canada till what, September of 1980.
0: It ran for a long time, which is kind of amazing considering we can't find any evidence of it online. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I think
0: there, somebody would have. You know. You know what? You know why? Because the Canadians wouldn't have bootlegged the film.
1: No, the entirely respectful people. I mean, it's just like don't. You know, no photography. It's like okay,
0: we're Canada. We. we, we uh, you know, Alright. Okay. By the way, uh, Jim, in honor of all things Canadian and polite, let's have a moment of silence here for Alan Thicke.
1: Yeah. Two. <sighs> all right. Ready? Go. Okay. This film runs till September of 1980 because. Nearly two years earlier, in October of 1978, Canadian officials signed a letter of intent saying that they do, in fact, want their country to be represented as part of Disney's permanent World's Fair. And they are willing to put up the dough. They're going to cover the cost of building the entire pavilion. They're going to pick up the operating costs. All they ask is that Because most Canadians actually live in cities rather than out in sticks. The government officials want this World Showcase Pavilion to showcase the real Canada. They don't want the cliches. They don't want the lumberjacks. And Disney actually refuses.
0: Did they really?
1: (laughs) There's a blank check on the table and they won't take it. They turn around and go out and recruit the Associated Biscuit Company and Labatt's Brewery to be the sponsors instead. (laughs)
0: So, so I'm trying to figure out this negotiation. The Canadians come in mm-hmm. with a beaver pelt full of cash, mm-hmm. if you will, yep. and they're like, "Look, just don't make us look rustic." Mm-hmm. And Disney, who, who needs the money at this point, looks at that and says, mm, "No, we need to we need to work the bumpkin angle here." I don't get it. It just doesn't sound like Disney.
1: Well, uh, here's the thing: they had already done so much development on their version of the Canadian Pavilion. And it was what the country was asking was such a pivot away from what they're written. This Don't make
0: is... us look like Hicks. <laughs> that, was, that was the big ask.
1: <laughs> well, well, the other thing was that they were looking at, at World Showcase and they wanted different experiences in each country. And this is the 1978 version, the description. In fact, if you were coming into Epcot as a possible sponsor and, you know, well, what are we going up against? It's like, okay, well, this is what we've got planned for Canada. And this is the description. Uh, the Canadian Pavilion is based on an outdoors theme which recreates the majesty of the Canadian wilderness. Visitors enter through a northwest Indian village where native craft skills are demonstrated and products are displayed. The roughly cut log dwelling of the Indian village blend in naturally with the Canadian frontier where these materials were used to tame the wilderness. Now, this is where it now departs, and a fortress tower is used as the gateway to a suspension bridge spanning a bottomless river gorge. Once you cross this bridge, guests wind their way through a path that's been blasted out of the steep mountainside, and an alternate route would have been offered, that a guest could go through the more hospitable Chateau Frontenac Hotel, at the heart of French Quebec, and here the street would have been lined with shops and where people could browse and more shopping. All roads converge on Salmon Island, where a rugged natural beauty of the Canadian outdoors stands alone. Waterfalls, tall pine trees, and an abandoned mine tunnel seem to mark a dead end until a waterfall magically parts and a drawbridge extends out, inviting guests into the Canadian Circle Vision Theater.
0: Oh, so the... you can recognize elements of what they've got in the existing show here, because there is a waterfall and a rustic path yep. carved through the mountainside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Hotel front Frontenac is, is still there. But I didn't know that the droppers were supposed to come down. Yeah, and, 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 oh,
1: interesting. and then from here, guests are surrounded by nine screens for the spectacular film of Canada the Beautiful in Circle Vision 360. Guests will emerge from the show into a quiet grove of Canadian maple trees through which the vast wheat fields of the central province are visible. This, I think, is kind of the deal breaker. Guests may leave the pillion for there or walk to the Mountie Bar, a rowdy frontier tavern with a stage show from the Klondike Gold Rush era, and then the Dominion Buffeteria, which eventually became Le Cellier. Uh, This is where you can get a hearty meal and a a quiet lodge in the mountains. So you can see Disney was totally invested in Mountie's wilderness.
0: And rustic. Okay. Uh Yeah.
1: And even then, they mentioned that in 1978, the Associated Biscuit Company was, was already on board and notified us of their intention to participate in the pavilion. But the biscuit people didn't have big bucks. Once Disney turned their back on the full government covering of the cost, they had to creep things in. So uh, the, the Canada Pavilion, you wouldn't think this looking at it, Lynn, but it's, it's only 36,000 square feet.
0: Really, less than an acre.
1: Yeah, and it's actually the third smallest pavilion in that entire theme park. Only the United Kingdom and Italy are smaller.
0: I would not have uh, guessed that in a... Yeah, no, same thing
1: yeah. here. Huh. Oh, 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 by the way, before we step away from the, the seventy eight plan for Epcot, it's important to note here that the placement of Mexico and Canada actually key off of where America used to be located.
0: Did we move and I didn't know it?
1: Well, no, it just... If you look at the plans from this period... You look past Spaceship Earth and suddenly Mm -hmm. there's this pavilion, a futuristic rotunda type building that's Mm -hmm. kind of dropped exactly. You know that bridge that you cross from, uh, you've gone past the fountains, you're headed toward, what is it, the World Show Place? That space between those two shops, just as you arrive at World Showcase by World Showcase Lagoon?
0: Yeah, sort of the, uh, it's the the very front of uh, World Showcase Lagoon.
1: Yeah, but where the bridge was, or is today, was where the American Pavilion was going to be built, and and the right. idea was that America, because it's a forward-thinking nation, could actually stand with one foot in the future, but still be a member nation. So where the American Adventure was, is built today was going to be a bridge of peace and understanding that would take you by this giant fountain that would shoot water 100 feet in the air, and the Imagineers kind of lost faith in this design idea, largely because they believed that Americans would only come and do Future World in America and then sort of look at World Showcase and go, eh, that's, that's too far. <laughs> Is there somewhere around here that I can get beer and a dog? Because I, I don't want to walk all the way over there.
0: All the way back there, yeah.
1: Yeah, so that was the thing. They actually moved America to make Americans walk around World Showcase.
0: Wow. So they used America as the big draw to get Americans over there.
1: Yeah. Well, if we're going to start our World Showcase, let's do like we do in the Northern Hemisphere. We've got America is basically, or the United States is bookended by Mexico and Canada. So that's what you get You know, when you go into World Showcase.
0: So it was a conscious decision by the designers of Epcot to say, Mm Here are the two countries not only that that are bookended by – that the United States is bookended by, but also the two countries that probably Americans would be most familiar with if they're familiar with any country outside the United States. If Americans have been anywhere, they've been to Mexico or Canada, right?
1: Yeah, and it's just – so it's like you put the familiar things and then even then it's like you look at Canada, you know, is is kind of – you know, you ease people into the UK. It's like, OK. Yeah,
0: yeah. English-speaking, English-speaking French, which is basically English, but, you know mm-hmm. – <laughs> and then you go into Morocco. That's true. And you, and you even get a little bit of that in on the Mexico side because you go Mexico, Norway. So it's it's really – it's North America, Western Europe, Western Europe again with France, mm-hmm. and then things start to get exotic. So yeah, you're right. Then it's sort of like you, you go to China, and then you go back to Western Europe, or you mm-hmm. go to Morocco, and then you go to Japan, which is even more exotic. Then you come back to the United States. Yeah, so that's interesting. There's You never go more than uh, two countries – I guess without um, without coming back to either Western Europe or the United States.
1: This is strange. This is weird. Oh, I know them. Okay. okay.
0: Good. <laughs> oh, the Germans. You know the Germans. Ah, you know. There we go.
1: <laughs> it, anyway, okay, so jump to October of 79. Uh, ground is officially broken on Epcot. It takes a full year of site prep or that sort of thing before they can then start looking at doing World Showcase. I mean, by now—
0: Wait, Hold on. Wait. Hmm? Groundbreaking for Epcot was in 1979? October of nineteen seventy nine, and and so they built all of Epcot in three years.
1: If you can believe it, yeah. I, you know.
0: I have difficulty believing this.
1: Again, remember the Greatest Generation. You okay, know, they, all
0: right. They, they could
1: build things. You know. Their in sons the ten- are now building Avatar. You know, it's like, like I
0: yes, need a app. Not yeah. as well either. <laughs> yeah, so I'm trying. I'm trying to think of the time it took for them to come up with and perfect. Rivers of Light, we would have two thirds of Epcot.
1: La 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 la. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, why well, don't I'm, get me invites from that? I was the about to say,
1: and now you're swat. taking me down with me, you tester. All
0: right. <laughs> All I right. All right, I hope All right go happy. ahead. Yeah, we'll, we'll forget about this. All right, okay. go ahead. It was a different topic. Uh, yeah, okay.
1: So, in January of 1981, they finally begin constructing of. A World Showcase. And the first two places that get put into construction are Canada and the UK. And they start there because work is well underway on Journey into Imagination and land. And the belief is like, well, we've got all this construction equipment and these crews right here. We can expand the site out. And tap into the resources. Anyway, so right from the get-go, the whole point of doing the Canadian Pavilion was to circle back on the strength of Expo 67 and do another Circle Vision movie. Mm -hmm. You had Robert Barkley who'd made this amazing film that everybody loved. And so does Disney circle back and, and get him? It's like, no, that was... In Walt's era, when, you know, the whole notion is, I want to bring new people in. Now it's 1980s Disney, and they have a tendency to just go in-house, so they reach out to Bill Bosch uh, to serve as the writer, director, and editor of this thing. Now, uh, just to be clear here, Bill wasn't a neophyte. He'd actually worked at Disney for 15 years before he got this assignment. Mm -hmm. He started the company at 53, and it actually worked on film-based attractions like Flight to the Moon, Hall of Presidents, and Mission to Mars, so... He was a guy that senior management at WED trusted, and, and they knew if they sent him to the field, he'd come back with the footage that they needed to, to deliver a high-quality finished product. Fair enough. But here's the thing. Unlike Barkley, Bosch had never been to Canada before. So How,
0: how could you never have you? I guess if you live in Southern California, you well, could never have been to There you go. If you live in the Northeast, you can you can get lost one day and end up in uh, in Toronto. I mean, that's happened to me many times, Lynn. <laughs> yeah, you live in New Hampshire. I mean, you you, you walk at the wrong side of your house, Jim, and you're you're half you're halfway to Montreal. <laughs> that's, that's right. It's,
1: it's, all I know is I've gone wrong when I can smell the poutine. It's sort of like all, all
0: right, <laughs> hang on,
1: hey, got to go come back. All right. So anyway, starting in '79, he reaches out to Canadian Ministry of Tourism. And says, well, where should I shoot? And they help him put together a list, and he then spends the next six months scouting all these locations. And once that trip is over, they start shooting in May of 1980.
0: Wait, he spent six months scouting but not actually shooting the film?
1: Canada, it is second only to Russia in land size, and the conceit of this movie was going to be that they would shoot in every Canadian province during all four seasons of the year. And when you talk with these guys, they, they talk about there's one scene in the movie where it's like kids outside in the street in Ottawa playing hockey. And it's just sort of like, oh, yeah, it's a nothing scene. You know what? Should have taken five minutes to shoot. It's like that day it was 24 degrees below zero.
0: <laughs> the cameras aren't working. No one well, wants no, to that, go That's
1: outside. the thing. It's, with the windshield, it's 50 below. And so every time they'd shoot, they'd run over and throw a quilt over the camera because yeah. again, they're trying to keep the lenses from fogging. Oh
0: right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then when you're doing that much shooting, you know, he's got a team of seven. They come back to Burbank with a quarter of a million feet of footage, which they now have to cut down that's, to a 17-minute-long that, movie.
0: That's literally a million, um, almost a million seconds. Oh, what is that? Three thousand hours of film.
1: Yeah, and, and just okay. picture that. Right. It's like. Do, do we want this canadian goose or, or that canadian goose I mean, oh they've
0: got cuz they've got multiple cameras yeah for each yeah. shot okay all right so that's how they, that's how they got it. okay all right okay. yeah <laughs> do we want this goose or that.
1: <laughs> all right so anyway they finish shooting august of 81 and they begin cutting it down by may of 1982 the, the, it's it's in good enough shape that disney can actually begin testing it inside of the circle vision theater i mean This is five and six months out from the opening of the park. They're actually able to bring in cast members to run them through the building, and they determined that this, uh, what is it, 4,100-foot-square theater can hold 590 people, which means it's a 17-minute-long movie, which means a 20-minute-long cycle time, which means they can get close to 1,800 people an hour through this thing, which is, you know, it's like three shows an hour. That's great. Okay, so you figure... You're running it by May. So the premiere, when you have it in the middle of October, what could go wrong?
0: We've been testing this thing for six months.
1: Okay, so this is straight from the Lake County Ledger. They wrote this story up on October 16th, 1982, three days after the Canadian Pavilion had its official premiere. So Walt Disney officials were red-faced as they walked the LeBlats brewery executives through Epcot's Canada Pavilion to show off all of the wonders that their company had helped paid for. So, they arrive at the entrance of O Canada, the 360 movie, which at that time, it was being presented in the Moosehead Mine. And so, why are the Walt Disney World officials red-faced? Because Moosehead Beer is Labatt's main competitor. Oh. So, you pay to build this attraction, and it has your yeah. competitor's name on it. Evidently, the sign lasted long enough for the executives to walk into the movie and start to see it. By the time they come out, Disney had pulled it down and was already yeah. getting <laughs> a new sign painted. But it's like, why did we miss that? All right, so the attraction for now is officially opened, and you figure, okay, what could go wrong at this point? Disney got letters almost from opening day. Remembering how long Canada 67 had run at manages World up in Montreal, a number of people would go by Guest Relations and say, this is derivative bill had cut together basically an all-new film and the disney executives were like well this is good but have you seen canada 67 that has some good stuff in it they actually sort of forced him to incorporate a lot of the looks and the ideas from that movie and canadians kind of called disney on it and particularly toronto star columnist jack lackey he was brutal i mean in a story that he with a headline that said Disney film depicts maple syrupy Canada. He got right to the point. He said, we came, we saw, we cringed.
0: Jesus. Wow. Okay.
1: And he just hammered on them for, it's Toronto. Canada's largest city gets seconds of screen time in this thing. To Disney's credit, they quickly recognized that oh, Canada needed to be retooled to reflect a contemporary Canada, uh, rather than the version that the company had been showcasing since 67. And they had the Canadian money right there on the table. And it's like, no, we, we need this to be a wilderness. That's what we need this to be like. So you have an Angela Glassy, who's a publicist for Walt Disney Canada's office in Toronto, They released a statement that says, Walt Disney World is in the process of looking for partners to help update this Circle Vision 360 presentation.
0: Wow. Okay. Currently,
1: we don't have a time frame for this project yet. And Len, not having a time frame sort of redefines understatement in this situation because it would take another 25 years? These things take time, Jim. Well, you know, even then, the only reason that Disney did this is that the Canadian Tourism Commission donated – $500,000 Five hundred thousand dollars to the cause, while Tourism Toronto and the Calgary Stampede, as well as a bunch of other Canadian tourism groups, kicked in an additional million dollars to finally wow. make this thing go forward.
0: This was one of the older films. You think China, I mean China got redone? Yeah, I'm surprised actually. In, th- in this context, the French film hasn't been redone.
1: Well, the, the irony there is, I, I think everyone expected the French to hate that. I mean, it was just I think we <laughs>
0: tell all well, the French. I mean,
1: yeah. <laughs> So David Katzman, who's the producer of the new version of this, talks mm-hmm. about they're going to try to strike just the right balance between vibrant and cosmopolitan- cities and the natural beauty that characterizes Canada. And this is the part of the statement I, I love. Canada is a very important market to us and we look forward to showcasing its beauty and splendor for guests <laughs> visiting the Canadian Pavilion. It's like, please don't be mad at us.
0: <laughs> it, it reminds me of what Chairman Clinch says at uh, the beginning of the excess technology talk at Alien Encounter. <laughs> Profit is simply a byproduct we've learned to live with.
1: <laughs> there we go. There we go. Now to circle back to the very thing that Bill dealt with when he was shooting in 80, it's trying to figure out the very best times to film. means you're sitting there spending weeks studying Canadian weather patterns and when events are being held and that sort of thing. And, and Linda Folsom, who was the line producer on the Redo, talked about how we filmed in, at Calgary, Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, and Niagara Falls with one day to plan and one day to shoot in each location. And she says... Wow flat out we got lucky we had only one day of rain and plenty of sunshine
0: i was going to say you know for the calgary stampede you know I mean, if you're there for one day even if you're there for a week it could it could legitimately rain for a week yeah yeah during and, the, and then what do you do right i mean it's not like they're going to they're going to redo the stampede for the entire rodeo thing for you no yeah. all, all right yeah, so you got lucky good
1: and with the idea of, of trying to be authentic for canadians but at the same time making this respecting the fact that Mostly Americans are coming to see this, that tap Martin Short, who who grew up in Hamilton, Ontario, to be the new host and narrator. And going for authenticity, Eva Avell, who was the 2006 winner of Canadian Idol, was tapped to sing the new reorchestrated version of the theme song, the Canada Your Lifetime Journey.
0: There is, there is no better uh, World Showcase song than the original version of that.
1: I agree. I agree. Uh, So anyway, it it opens, and you'd think, okay, this time we've got it. We we addressed all of the issues, and it's like, no. Now here's the Victoria Times columnist who's complaining in an October 2007 story that where's Ottawa, the capital city? The
0: capital. (laughs) It's true, because they do the Bay of Fundy. They do (laughs) Toronto. They do Montreal. They do Vancouver. Is there anything in Ottawa?
1: Well, there's a few brief glimpses of the Parliament building and skaters on the canal, I believe.
0: That could be anywhere. That's how Canadians get around on a day-to-day basis.
1: It's not just trying to appease the Canadian tourism people who, again, gave them millions to redo this. It's Disney having to deal with the ever-shortening American attention span, so... The running time of the show was crept in from 17 minutes to 14 minutes, so there's less screen time to do things like mention Ottawa.
0: You also get a couple more showings per day. Oh, no, that's it, exactly. It,
1: right? You go from three an hour to potentially four, and yeah. so they update it for Contemporary Canada. But mm-hmm. downside is they give them money to update this movie, and they get less movie. They get So Canada... <laughs> It's short chain. We made it
0: better. We made it shorter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you mentioned this. I've, I've never actually been to Ottawa. Really? Kind of ter- I know. It's terrible. I've been to Montreal. I've been to Toronto. Mm-hmm. been to Vancouver. I haven't been to uh, to the Canadian Rockies yet either, but uh, a little while I keep talking about doing that. Uh, is, it, is it Via Rail? It's oh, yeah. Rail no,
1: no, 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 no. You, back in 85, when it looked like Amtrak was going to shut down, I actually booked a train trip to go across the country, so at least could see the Rockies from the train and they were amazing, but and when I was talking with folks on the train about what I was doing, there's like, oh, no, you got to do via rail. The, the, the Canadian rail system, the, the train they go through is so much more virgin, so much more amazing. So, no, seriously, you have to do it. But, you know, you know the American attitude. Americans look at Canada and think it's erratic. That there's those, those nice people who live upstairs. And, and the, <laughs> the nice
0: people that should be our motto for Canada. You know, nice people who live upstairs. You
1: know, but, but the, the reality <laughs> is it's this <laughs> amazingly it's huge, beautiful country and so many great, talented folks. And
0: Oh, it's, it's diverse. I mean, everyone's friendly. It's clean. It runs well. It's and, a, a and good, you
1: know, a- how could you I dislike a country that gave us corner gas? I mean, my, my favorite tel- television show of all time. You have to... <laughs> You have to see Corner Gas.
0: Corner uh, Gas. Yes. I'll so. look for YouTube. Okay. All right. So we've wrapped up one World Showcase country, Jim. We uh, we have to look at... Uh, to look <laughs> and it at
1: only one. took us three. You know, just wait for the, yeah, the 12-part France thing. Oh.
0: All right, folks. While Jim uh, gets busy writing that, you've been listening to the Disney Dish podcast with Jim Hill. Please go on to iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play and rate this little show of ours. Also tell us what you would like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show. Take care.